0: Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3 this morning, message title is The Power of the Resurrection. And yes, I am not taking the chance on blowing up my tie mic this morning, so I'm giving it a rest. I got it a little, little bit wet, and uh, here we go. Philippians 3, starting in verse 1. As you're looking for it, hear God's word as I read it this morning. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision. Who worship by the Spirit of God in glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And may God add a blessing to the reading of his word in our hearing this morning. Now, I must admit uh, before we get to the sermon that it is required of the preacher at every appointment, to get over himself. And in a week's time, as I am preparing the sermon and the sermon is preparing me, I have to get over myself. And I often find that the greatest obstacle in the way to helping you is me. And rather than hunting for compliments or desiring to have confidence in my own ability or skill set or hours spent in study, I want to help you this morning. The sermon is titled The Power of the Resurrection. If I could summarize the message this morning it is this the power of the resurrection is the end of proving yourself to God and the beginning of knowing Christ but not just the beginning but the middle and the end of knowing Christ where yours and my story ends is the power of the resurrection and the beginning of knowing Jesus Christ. And this morning, the least likely follower of Jesus, a man named Paul, he reminds us, or maybe for some of us, for the very first time, he is getting our attention in our text in Philippians chapter 3, by confrontation. How many of you are comfortable with confrontation? It is not my pleasure this morning to be confronted, nor is it to stir up confrontation. And yet this morning, this man, used of God, does not speak lightly of matters concerning our relationship with the one true God and anyone and everyone who would confuse what it means to be a Christian. Folks, this morning, Christianity is Christ. We can make Christianity about a lot of different things. Amen? Amen. Christianity is Christ. And Paul lays it out for us here as clear as anyone. And my desire this morning is for us to either be reminded or confronted for the very first time that the power of the resurrection is the end to you proving yourself to God and others. And you know who you are, and I know who I am when I attempt to prove myself to God and to others. In fact, Paul's words this morning are fighting words. Fighting words. And, and I think it's appropriate to kind of define our terms as we look to what we just heard. In fact, this confrontation is that there is no confidence. There is no confidence in yourself as you stand before God. There is only confidence in Christ before the face of God, for right standing with God. When you see the word framed righteousness, I want you to understand that that means right standing before God. In verses 3 and 4, Paul speaks of something many of us are familiar with, circumcision. He speaks of something by use of the phrase confidence in the flesh. Now, there is a physical circumcision. There is a removal of the male foreskin. And Paul understands that. And so do these who are confusing and causing damage to the church. And the truth of the matter is, there are still, still people in the church that are doing these very same things. We can see a passage like this, and these people framed, many have referred to them as Judaizers. There are modern-day Judaizers who say, you must do fill-in-the-blank to be a Christian. You must do blank to stay a Christian, and you must do blank to be secure as a Christian. And Paul, he says, by way, and I'll read it, I'll read it, there's no reason to avoid this. He says, Look out for the dogs. These people think they're pure, and some maybe even in our midst this morning, think they are pure based on their own efforts. You may think that you have the ability to cleanse your own life. He says, look out for the dogs. Historically speaking, these dogs are filthy scavengers rather than our cuddly pups we all love and adore. These are filthy nearly starved, feasting on trash wherever they can find it. And Paul says, you who think you are pure, you're but dogs. He says, you who think you're doing righteousness, you're doing evil. He says, you who circumcise the flesh your knife happy you might as well go ahead and remove the member don't stop short and you can only imagine as awkward as that sounds leaving my lips that these words there's no apology there is there is intended Awkward, there is intended offense, there is intended confrontation here. He says that those who think they're pure, those who think they're doing righteousness, they might as well go ahead and neuter themselves. Are you getting it? He goes on to say, confidence in the flesh, and we might think, well, does that mean the physical body? In some places it does. In some places it does. But here, Paul, he goes from speaking of a physical thing, a physical operation, a physical change that takes place to the human body, and he moves to say confidence in the flesh is relying on anything that comes from you or me that we depend upon, that we think matters, that we think counts before God as being acceptable. He says, if you have anything that you're relying on for credibility before God coming from you, whether that's what you're saying or have said, whether that's your thinking or what you've thought, whether that is your doing, your deeds, whether that is your being. And he continues by unpacking his own resume. He says, it takes one to know one. These dogs, these filthy, evil doers, I know because I was one. And you can see in others what was once in you. And Paul cares for his people. Paul cares enough to not allow this to go by, to not wink at this. It is far more serious. We cannot grin and say, it's okay, it's okay. And so he unpacks his resume. And some of us, we may have a desire to unpack our resume. And some of these things may be those things we've inherited, as we see from Paul. Or they may be achievements in our own lives. And you'll see, he says, If you have reason for confidence in the flesh, I do too. In fact, more so. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, check out my resume. I was circumcised on the eighth day, as God commanded. Not only that, but I was of the old covenant blood. Not only that, but I was from the elite tribe of Benjamin. Some of us will read genealogies in the Bible, and we get bored out of our minds. Paul wouldn't. He'd say, these are my people. These are my people. In fact, the first king came from Benjamin, Saul. In fact, Benjamin was one of the favorite sons of Jacob, our forefather. Do you want to see my credibility? And he goes on the culture i'm a hebrew of hebrews meaning i speak the language meaning i know the culture meaning i'm an insider and folks if we're not careful we can do you see what he's doing he's building a case he's building a case but the irony of the case he says i have achievements He says, I'm a Bible trivia beast. Try me. And how does he say this? He says, as to the law of Pharisee. Now to us, to our modern ears, we hear the word Pharisee and we think immediately evil, hypocritical, religious, stuffy. And yet not so. For this audience, they think, how in the world can you be closer to God? How can you know the Bible? In fact, most of the Pharisees knew by heart, could memorize, had memorized the first five books of the Bible. I would love to have that committed to memory. Can you imagine having, just be able to recite his first books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And we see he goes on and he says, not only am I a beast when it comes to Bible trivia, but I am, as far as passion goes, I'm unparalleled. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Now, obviously, that's not a good thing. And that is not something that he is proud of. But, As far as virtues go, passion and zeal defines these people. It's the top of the list. If you're passionate and you're zealous, then you have credibility, and folks ought to take notice. And then he concludes by saying, as to the law, as to the law, righteousness under the law, I'm blameless. And what does this mean? Does this mean he was sinless? Is he claiming sinless perfection? No. He's saying that if anyone took notice of my life, if you wanted to shadow me on the job, your conclusion would be he's pulling it off. I don't know how. But this guy is legit. As far as on the outside goes, He is conformed. He does everything down to the T. And some of us, we can look around, and we have that impression of others, don't we? They're pulling it off. I don't know how, but they're pulling it off. And again, misconception, isn't it? It's a misconception. And some of us feel small because we look at others who are seemingly righteous under the law. As Paul says here, and then he continues, and he, he simply takes this resume and lights a match and torches it before their eyes. Now, if you could get this this morning, it would be akin to this, all of your assets, all of the things that you are proud of that makes you you have just become liabilities the very things that you're proud of the very things that you think have gotten you the closest to god in comparison to jesus christ they are worthless they're worthless how do i how do we get there how do we get there let's see he says whatever gain i had i counted as loss for the sake of knowing Christ, for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The overwhelming worth of knowing Christ. Can you say amen this morning? The overwhelming worth. I can lose everything for Christ. For the sake of Christ, the accountability, the, the, the accountant in Paul comes out. We've got some accountants in the room. I'm not one of them. And he, he breaks out the profit loss document. Or maybe for some of us that aren't accountants in the room, he goes and he basically just prints off his bank statement. Okay? And he surveys all of his deposits. And he says, And then I met Jesus. And I noticed that all of those things are withdrawals. All of the things that I once thought were profit are in the lost column. And the only thing that's left is Jesus. Can we say that this morning of ourselves? Can we say that this marks the people of Big Branch Church? That to know Jesus Christ is not theoretical, but he is the very one who surpasses all experiences all achievements all investments we thought we had made because he is better he is greater he is worth losing it all and he says i can imagine the audience is like are you sure paul are you sure sure because there's some really good things going on there are you saying that your morning quiet time you're not banking on that for god to be pleased with you are you saying that your bible translation that that's not what gets you close to god? Are you saying that your baptism? Are you saying that your kalev or your message or your prayer before meal? Are you saying that tucking your children in bed at night and praying over them is not what secures you before the lord of the universe? Are you sure, Paul? Because with the exception of the persecution of the church, none of these things ought we to frown upon. Every single one of his items in his resume are things that he should be proud of. And there are things in your life and my life that we can and should be proud of, but the very moment that we are convinced or deceived that these are the things that are keeping us in is the very moment We have compromised the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have bought into a lie. It is subtle. It is real. And there's some that have taken the bait. And my prayer is there's not one in this room that that is true of you. And if it is this day, you will confess that you have been clinging to something other than Jesus to be right before God. Can I be any more clear? Can Paul be any more clear here? As he continues to say, what are the benefits? In fact, he says, we said fighting words. There's a, there's a, there's a word. There's a, there's a time for color, colorful words. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that, there, I, that, that a preacher has a right to use Filthy language, or, but serious, coarse language, getting the point across, Paul doesn't hesitate. In fact, he says, in light of all that I have lost, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, I've suffered the loss of all of these things, and I count them as rubbish. And the word here is not just something to get rid of. This word is either defecation, feces, or something that is absolutely despicable, that at the sight of it or the smell of it, it turns your stomach. Can you imagine the good things in your life in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ? the, the, The appraisal... And I couldn't get this image out of my head: the appraisal of the things that I would hold on to to be good before God, when Christ has been offered as the perfect sacrifice, is compared to an inverted porta potty. When you see these things, it's likened to a porta potty turned upside down. How how much worth does a porta potty, a porta john, have? In light of Christ. That's Paul. That's you. That's me. And he goes on. The benefits. All that I've gained. What have I gained? I have gained union with Christ. I have come to know him. in Galatians 2.20, we love that. We, we talk about it. It is our anthem, not I, but Christ. But when's the last time you actually heard it and you internalized it and you realized that this is not something that we can take and we can trivialize? Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify or make void or trash the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. And Paul says, and we say, that if we gain Christ, we are found in him And in him we are found not possessing a righteousness of our own, but a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. It depends on faith. And folks, this morning, do you have an imaginary righteousness that you're holding on to? Because that's the case. If you're clinging to or holding on to anything, that makes you right before God apart from Jesus Christ and his work that he accomplished for you and I in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. It is a failed project. No matter what it is, it is a failed project. If you think that one day you're going to stand before God and hold this out and it be acceptable. And to know Him, to know Him, the power of the resurrection is the end of proving yourself. And it is the beginning of knowing Jesus Christ intimately. And you can't get over it. You can't exhaust Him. It's going to take infinity to plumb the depths of our Lord and our Savior. And knowing Him is to know power. And what does Paul say? that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And then we'd rather remove the next statement and share in his suffering. To know Christ and his power is not a pass on suffering. It's not. And some of us need to be reminded that Knowing Christ is an altered attitude. It is a shift in your perspective on life. And there is this anchored realization. Paul has it, and it can be yours and mine. That suffering is nearness to Jesus. Are you looking at your suffering as something that has distanced you from God or proven His distance from you. Friends, family, the suffering that we go through brings us closer to Him and He to us. In fact, this is a secret that God lets us in on, is to suffer, is to know nearness to God and to undergo a change in the process we of all people now have a category for suffering we are not ignorant as to what God is and can do through our suffering what is that very thing becoming like him in his death becoming like him this means that you and I under the pressure of suffering, and I don't know what it is for you right now. For some of you, I do. For some of you, I know what your suffering is right now. And under the immense amount of weight of suffering, you are undergoing change that you will look like Jesus. Perhaps you'll feel like Jesus. Maybe you'll think like Jesus and sound and live and even smell a little like Jesus to those that are watching. The power of the resurrection is the beginning, the middle, and the end of knowing Jesus Christ. And then Paul concludes and he says that by any means possible, by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead and many Well-meaning preachers have taken everything that Paul has already said and they have undone it with this verse here. As if Paul has to prove himself so that on the last day he can attain the resurrection how ludicrous, how ridiculous. Instead, what Paul is saying here and what you and I can say is because now I have Christ in me, He is in me and I in Him. I have a new perspective and no matter what it takes, no matter what I have to go through, I can rest in the confidence that Christ is mine and I am His and on the last day He will keep me and bring me all the way home. All the way home with battered, Sail, I will make it. The wounds, the issues of life, the conflict, the heartache, the loss, I am secure. Horatio Spafford wrote the song, It is well with my soul. After having lost his children, he thought his wife was dead also. Through a tragic accident on sea. And he could say, it is well with my soul. Whatever my lot... I know that I'm in Christ, and He is in me. And so this morning, a few words of application before we close. Are you tempted to cling to any proof this morning that you are good with God? Because you have done something, you are something, you belong to something, you're doing something. You will do something. You've made commitments. You are going through the motions, and you think it's enough. Are you tempted? Why are we so easily tempted? And if it's not for salvation, it's for comparison to others. Why are we so tempted? I'll tell you. Because when we are building something on our own, and we stand atop that monument, we can look down on others and we have this thing in us called sin that shows itself in that way, that we love to be above others based on our own efforts. But I'm telling you, only Christ can change that in you and level you to the point where you are now free not to compare yourself to other people, but to help them and be for them what they need and what I need. What are the good things that are keeping you from God? What are the good things in your life that are keeping you from God? It is time that we take inventory of the good things, not just the bad things, the good things that have become bad things, because they are getting in the way of our relationship with God. Mark chapter 8, verses 36, Jesus issues these words and he says, Maybe it's not Mark eight thirty six. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? And then Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, he says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not attend Big Branch Church in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not pray the loftiest and lengthiest of prayers? Did we not do mighty works in your name? Did we not clean up around this place and and be here every time the doors are open? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. All of those things are good things. But they must pass through the filter of the righteousness of Christ to be satisfied in the sight of God. And these things, we need to take inventory, and we don't like to do that. Maybe this is a conversation with your spouse. Maybe this is a conversation with your friends. Maybe this is a conversation that you need to have on the inside of yourself. And what hurdles and hoops are we placing in the way of others that they can become like we are instead of like Christ? What hurdles and hoops are we forcing people to jump through? You have them, I have them. Must you come and be like me? No, come and be like Christ. And if you have Christ no matter what happens in your life, no matter the pain, no matter the suffering, you can lose everything because there is one who cannot be lost. If you can lose everything because you cannot lose Christ. If everything is in the lost column and you have gained Christ, you have everything. You have everything. And as I close, I want to read a song the lyrics of a song that has just captured what I think we want to be who we are. Old to be empty and lowly meek and unnoticed and unknown and to God a vessel holy filled with Christ and Christ alone. How great is God, his grandeur endless, how frail I come before his throne. I am lost in love, relentless, that Christ be all, and I his own. May Christ be all, and I be nothing. His glory shines in vessels weak. May Christ be all, and I be nothing. This is my hope, not I, but Christ in me. This is my hope. Not I, but Christ in me. On golden shores of sure salvation, I will run to meet my king. Free from shame and all accusation, he'll give himself nothing I'll bring. He'll give himself nothing I'll bring. Please stand.